0: You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. All right, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview individuals who have survived hell-ish parts of their lives and live to tell about it. I have my friend Crystal here. I've known Crystal pretty much since high school. And uh, you have a really cool story. Like I remember... I remember like you trying to get clean for a while. Well, I remember you going to meetings with me as like support and um, I didn't think you like ever did, were doing drugs at that point or like ever imagined you doing drugs. You know, I stayed clean and I would see you come in and out.
1: So I remember
0: when you spoke to me for the first time, it blew me away. You got a great message. I'm excited. So I guess we can start from the beginning.
1: What's up, guys? My name is Crystal. Um, so it's so crazy being here with Brian. Um, we grew up in the same town, and I've known him since literally high school, you know? and Davey, um, Davey crew. Yeah. Um, I actually went with Brian to probably one of your first NA meetings and, like, with mm-hmm. my ex, Jimmy, and we were, like, super excited to be support and... I knew a lot about meetings just because of my mom and which she struggled with her whole life and I became part of that and acclimated to it and I always told myself like I'll never be anything like her you know and unfortunately or fortunately I I went down that path and I definitely met hell face to face and I'm so grateful that I'm here to say that so it does. So when you're
0: going to meetings with me, did you ever think like you'd start going to meet? Like, were you using anything at that time?
1: Like a ton of shrooms and acid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like nothing. I stayed away from like anything else for uh, not too much long after that, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. I always tell people like, I remember I had this, you know, I was friends with Jimmy and Jimmy was, Jimmy did drugs, but he did them so like lovingly. He's like, oh, I have coke. You can have some. He was just like so normal about it and I remember he was like thinking that if I did shrooms and acid I would like get off drugs literally did acid almost every day for like four weeks until I had like the worst acid trip of my life
1: yeah that was like literally what we did that's and like you know during that time it was high school like I was like super experimental I was like a floater hung out with everybody, never identified or like felt a part of like a certain clique. So it was kind of like I molded into whoever I was kind of hanging out with at that time and dating Jimmy. He was a super hippied out, just shot out kid. And Mm -hmm. we had fun, you know, like it was just pure fun. But Kids we grew up with, I remember the first time I took a pill and I was like on the back of a golf cart, like we went to Western's parking lot and I was projectile vomiting off of the fucking back of the golf cart. And I was like, I'm never doing this again, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, how it goes. So So a lot of my active addiction stemmed from having like major eating disorder, body dysmorphia, hating Just being in my own skin, like I literally used to cringe looking in the mirror and I just always, nothing was ever good enough. And if I'm being honest, like it's still something that's very prevalent in my life. You know, like Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of work through 12-step fellowship and thank God I have because it's always been one thing that always brought me back out. So.
0: Yeah. I think like a lot of people don't talk about that. Like I would say 50% of women deal with some type of eating disorder that people don't discuss really in 12-step meetings at all.
1: And that was the thing, like, when I first started to go to the thousand rehabs I went to, I was, like, kind of forced to go to, like, certain fellowship meetings Mm -hmm. and to kind of address those issues. And to a certain extent, it was just, like, I was just there because I was being forced. I was in major denial. I wanted to, like, hold on and have power over that one thing you know and it always had power over me and it's it's an ongoing battle especially like getting older like i became a mother in recovery and your body changes throughout that process so it was something that like i really had to do a lot of work on Mm -hmm. Growing up, I was raised in a single family home, like my mom and my dad divorced or they were never together since I was like two years old. I had a lot of daddy issues, the whole spiel. And um, my sister is 14 years older than me and she basically raised me, you know, like my mom struggled and struggled a lot of mental health and just like not being present and would just kind of buy our love with money. You know, like, that was the only form of love that she knew how to reciprocate and give. And um, I took. And I got away with murder, like, with pretty much everything. And um, I had the party house. I had no rules. I had only, like, my sister who kind of had that stability. Like, she's not one of us. She's never done a drug or a drink in her life. She's just, like the complete opposite. And uh, when I was 13, my mom got Baker Acted, and it was, like, one of the hardest times in my life. She was just, like, at a point where she was hallucinating critters and we were living at Hard Rock and hotels and just, like, shit was just, like, unraveling, like, out of out of control. So I needed something to kind of fill all of that void, like, something to escape with. And I started experimenting nothing crazy, and it was... Um, sophomore year fast forward i had to leave western like my home high school and i had to go to like a tech high school like a special program and it was there that it was just like shit hit the fan i want to say like for me it was like cute and fun in the beginning and stuff and then uh and then it wasn't you know like Things got really bad. I barely could graduate high school at that point. I was in like a pharmacy technician like program and I was like stealing a bunch of shit from the pharmacy and paying my teachers with drugs just to graduate. And it wasn't until like I made the decision to like go to college to see like what can I do. Mm -hmm. And it was there where I was like, I started to find myself, you know, like I started to really apply and like things went completely 180, like I studied abroad. I did all these amazing things. I went all over the world. Like, my passport was double page. like, and that was, like, my freaking addiction. Like, Mm -hmm. I was literally just, like, on cloud nine living the best life ever. Where did you live? Spain, Central America, Finland. In school? Yeah. Wow. When we were at Broward College, like, doing all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and I was, like, volunteering and, like, kind of becoming, like, a human, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, trying to identify, like, who the hell is Crystal? Like, how can I make something out of myself but, like, be passionate about it at the same time? And um, I remember, like, coming back home from living abroad and I hung out with Ryan and he was using a certain drug and, like, was using it a certain way and I instantly, like, found an attraction to it. And I just did it. I, I like, shot up. I came home For no reason at all. You weren't
0: using abroad though.
1: No, I like drank, you know, like, and so it was really bizarre. Like I literally remember landing the next day, like hung out with old friends.
0: And shot up for the first time? Shot
1: up for the first time, like let him do it. And I was like, and he was in such a shit condition. And I was just like, I found that so attractive. Like I did all this amazing shit and then I come home and that was it, you know, and that was like, shit got really bad. How old were you? probably like 22, mm-hmm. 23, and I fell in love with the lifestyle. Like, I left that one lifestyle of, like, chasing, like, wanderlust mm-hmm. to coming home and chasing dope, you know? And, like, I couldn't get enough of it, and I felt hard on my face. Like, I was trying to maintain, and I was, like, graduating with, like, two degrees and, like, doing all these things still – Trying to manage and I just couldn't. Like, I remember I was like, I'm gonna get clean, I'm gonna go to the methadone clinic. And I had to, I had like $30,000 of school was like giving me every semester. So I like ran through that in like two months of being back home. And I told my mom, I was like, I need $15 a day to do this extra credit thing at NSU, so uh can you help me out with that? And she would literally give me $15 every morning. Wow. And I would go get dosed, you know? And I did that for like a year. But On like, methadone? Yeah, and while I was doing that, I was like 80 pounds soaking wet and smoking crack, shooting crack, and just like barely existing. And I ended up...
0: Wow, that's crazy to go from like one extreme to the other. so it was, it was
1: bizarre. Cr- it was just like out of this world. I... Ended up getting a teaching job at McFadder, the school I used to teach at. And Flock came around like Davy, like, and I fell in love with it. I just like used to run away to Flockville, and I used to like really think I belong there. Mm-hmm. And I would go back to school and I would teach. Was this like
0: Broward, like Broad Boulevard?
1: No, like Davy, like right across the street from McFadder. It wow. was like the mecca of Flock. And I didn't know that. It was bad. And I ended up a couple months down the line of like going through this whole thing of like teaching and being all flocked out to being in my car shooting up and the principal, you know, that feeling of like something's about to go down Mm -hmm. and I knew it wasn't the cops. I knew like something else was going on. I get a knock on the window and I turn my head and I was like, fuck. It was the principal of my school. And I was like, excuse me, hang on. And I like continue to use and I put my car in reverse and almost like run him over and kill him. It's a weird situation, but that was my sister's first boyfriend and he's also in recovery. So we had this type of relationship where he was like, Crystal, if you don't go get help, you're never going to step foot in a classroom again. So I was like, "Uh, What was
0: Flocka like?
1: Crack on meth with a little bit of acid. That's... Wow. No, as like, I hated it so much that it was just like so powerful and I couldn't get off of it. Like, I literally ran away from home to go live in Flockville. I saw like the Flock Squad swing, like flying in the trees. Like, I always thought people were after me. Like, it was just horrible and I couldn't stop. So, right around that time, I ended up taking a little trip to a psych ward because I completely just, I lost it. I uh, got into like a physical altercation with my mom and I like, my eyes turned red and things got really ugly. And um, so I got my little psych ward trip. I was there for like three weeks, maybe longer. And it was my first time in a psych ward, obviously. And I remember like the first night I'm like waiting in the emergency room type thing. And my mom's like feeding me a ton of Valium and I'm like completely fucking gone. And my roommate ends up being like this 92 year old woman who would like open the metal drawers, like all night long (laughs) and be looking for her daughter. And I was like, oh my God, let me help you find her. You know, like (laughs) we could do this together. People were like running down the hallways naked thinking they were Jesus. And just like these experiences that like, most people don't get to to have. So it was like a treat for me. I'm a psych major. I was like loving it. And that was my first like kind of experience in the recovery world. Like they brought in H and I and that was the first time that I was around H and I. And I think at that moment like a little mustard seed of hope was planted. And but I of course wanted to like dig it up and throw it away. You know, like I just wasn't ready. And um I don't know, it was a lot of going from treatment center to treatment center. I can't tell you how many how many I've been to honestly. Like I I felt comfortable there. I loved being institutionalized. I thrived in it. I loved being the best student there. Like it was just it became another addiction, another lifestyle, you know? And I continued down that path for like a few more years, you know? If I'm being honest, like I would always go to a treatment center, I'd fall in love at the Medline, mm-hmm. and I'd meet the love of my life. And we are plan was to never use again, you know? And just to let you know, it never worked out that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the holes got deeper, uh, hell got a lot darker. I could tell you that much. Um, fast forward, nothing glamorous except more war stories, but. Uh, the last year of my using, you know, got really bad. I used to wake up every day and like hit the floor and like be on my knees and like beg God for just like, end it like, please take my life like I can't do this. Like, I was in and out for so long. And for so many times, I literally felt like it was never going to work for me, you know, like, but granted, like, I never put any effort into it. Like I pretended to get a sponsor, I pretended to do work, but like, It was only to appease other people. It was never for me. Like, I was always going to these treatment centers and, like, doing all these things just to, like, make my mom happy because that's all she wanted. All she wanted was for me to get this because she never could. Mm -hmm. The last year of my using, my mom ended up going into the hospital and never coming back out. It's super emotional. Like, we just celebrated her three-year anniversary, like, her death anniversary, and it's something that, like... It still, like, almost doesn't feel real. And I've done, again, like, a lot of work on, like, the grief and loss and and just, like, acceptance, man. Like, it's—death is one of those things, like, pain never goes away, but I never have to use over it. So during that time when my mom was in the hospital, I ended up getting Crocodile. And for— <laughs> For people who don't know, crocodile basically is a, a drug from Russia, and I had no idea. I really didn't. And I was shooting it up, and I had no other spaces to go on my body. Like, my whole body was just shut down. And I was going in my legs, and the, what it does is it eats your flesh from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to get out of bed and do anything, I would have to like shoot up like a gram. Like it was just like I thought I was dying, but like with a flu. I was like, I just have a really bad flu. And come to find out, like my skin. What did was...
0: Crocodile feel like?
1: I thought it was dope. Like I didn't know oh, I was, you thought it was heroin? like, wow. Yeah, it was just from Pompano, like and it had a little gasoline smell. And I was like, hmm, this is a little different. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it burns a little more, whatever. <laughs> Wow. And, yeah, because
0: I've seen people on it and I've seen people come in like the treatment covered yeah. in like, you know, a flesh eating mm-hmm. thing in their arm. And you're just like, those aren't regular track marks and like, oh, it's crocodile.
1: No, dude. And I was like, of course, like the first case in Broward County. So like, my mom goes into the hospital and like. I'm not like mentally or emotionally able to be present. Like I was so just like not there, like not under like cognitively understanding what the hell was really going on. So during that time, like she was staying at Westside Regional and I made a visit there. Like one of my exes came down, saw the condition I was in and rushed me to the ER. Hmm. When I got to the ER, they were like, what the fuck is this? And I was the first case in Broward County. They did like this whole thing. They were going to like amputate my legs the next day. Wow. And I was like, wait, hang on well, I'm only staying here if you guys like load me up with Dilaudid because they were talking about giving me Suboxone and I was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm gonna leave. So that's what they did. I manipulated the situation and I got what I wanted and I was like smoking crack in the bathroom in the hospital and I had like my own private room and they like came in and they showed me pictures. They're like, we found this in the bathroom. I was like, that's not mine. (laughs) I really, I don't even know. So they moved me in the same room as my mom who's dying, you know, like, who's my best friend, like my rock, the only reason I was still alive at that point, you know, and I was like, not able to cope like whatsoever. It wasn't my plan to be alive. I didn't want to be alive. I wanted to take her place. And that was my plan. So they put like set me up with a pork because I had no more veins like working in my body, obviously. So I ended up getting stuff delivered daily to the hospital And I was, like, shooting up in the port, and I ended up flatlining, like, in the bathroom. And Nurse Ratchet found me, and she Mm. was like, you have to go. And I was like, I mean, okay. So before I left the hospital, they came in with, like, the hazmat suits and, like, wheeled my mom out at 3 in the morning. And um, come to find out, I'm covered with MRSA. I have cellulitis. It goes into my heart. Like, all these things. But I had to leave because I'm smoking crack. I'm shooting up. I'm flatlining in their bathroom like it just wasn't going to work out for them so I get sent home and during like the last two years of my like using I often got arrested like the charges kept on significantly getting worse and stuff and I get sent home and I have like these wound care specialists coming to like clean and bandage my legs because I was like I really don't want to lose them like I kind of need them type Mm -hmm. thing you know like it's it's something that I gotta have (laughs) and so the lady is like coming I'm like at this point trapping out my mom's apartment we already are getting evicted like it's in like the works and I was just like fuck it you know like I'm just gonna let it ride see where this goes the rest of my family like comes and tries to do like an intervention and i decide i this isn't for me and i jump off like the second story of our apartment Mm -hmm. and i was like the like in the movies like running through bushes and like jumping and hiding and i was like i gotta just get to the car i just need to go and i got to the car i like i don't even it was the craziest (laughs) shit ever and i run and i end up being like homeless in my car for a couple months and um my legs, with flesh-eating disease and, like, not a dollar or a cent to my name, there's, like, nothing left in me, you know? And um, my family was unable to go see my mom because they were so scared of me. Like, I robbed them of that opportunity to be present while she was taking her last breaths. I ended up going to that like sneaking into the hospital one night, and thank God I did. I stayed the night in the hospital. I nodded out the whole time, but I stayed my by my mom's bedside, and I was like, Don't you leave me? like I'm gonna be back' And I left at like six in the morning and I got a call at seven a m that she took her last breath, you mm. know, so. It was at that defining moment where I was like, all right, now I'm really on a mission to die. Like, there's no point in me living anymore. Like, I have to do this. But I had, like, again, been to so many treatment centers i have been to fellowship programs that have worked for all these other people and i was like so i had that little piece left like it was so small it was like tinier than a speck of fentanyl you know Mm -hmm. but it was still there so i ended up like praying i was like and like a dope hole. And I was like in the corner and I was like planning on figuring out how to kill myself. I was like, something's got to give. And I was like praying to God to make it end. And like on my way home, I ended up getting arrested for the last time. And uh, the charges were a lot more significant, mm-hmm. you know? And I ended up in jail and my dad like Somehow I was able to get released at that time. I really have no idea how, but he's like, you're going to move in with me. And I was like, this should be fun. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've never lived together and I had a ton of resentment. So I went to live with him. I robbed him blind. I ran away. He ended up setting me up for the very last time. And I sat my happy ass in jail for three, four months.
0: What do you mean set you up?
1: So I was like, I robbed him of like a bunch of shit in his house and he was like, oh, I found this program because at this point I had no more of mommy's insurance. So Mm -hmm. I was like either going to bark, which I would like sleep outside of and I'd be like, this sounds like a good idea. I could do this or... It was jail. And I was like, well, I'm definitely going to go to treatment again. You know, like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, well, c- you got to come to the house and we'll, like, get you into this program. And the cops were there? No. So I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll I'll go with you. And I was like, what did I say? I don't know. Something happened, but I, like, staked out his house to make sure, like, the cops weren't there before. Mm-hmm. And mind you, like, I've been living out of my car, like, that had no front bumper cover, that was on one tire, like, that was not a donut, no power steering, like, it took everything in me just to make (laughs) turns, it had, like, one fucking mirror, like, it was a mess, it had a melted shroom candle in the back of my car, like, in the cup holder, just in case an apocalypse happened, I was ready, Mm -hmm. because I would have light, like, I was, like, on it, So, I made sure cops weren't there. They definitely weren't, like, in the neighborhood or whatever. And I was like, all right, well, I have, like, one last shot to do. So, I, like, save it. It's in my purse, and he's, like, driving, and we're going to, like, BSO. We get there, and I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom to, like, get my fix, Mm -hmm. my last thing. And so... I go to the bathroom, I come out, and the place is surrounded. And I was like, you
0: motherfucker.
1: <laughs> and I, like, of course, try to run, and it I didn't get very far. And it was the greatest gift he could have given me. You know, like, it was that moment that I was being handcuffed for the last time. They're taking off all my jewelry. They're reading me my rights, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, looking him in the eyes and telling him how much I hated him like crying he's crying and i was like just saying awful things to him Mm -hmm. like he's heartbroken you know and uh there's so much anger there's so much resentments towards this man too so my first like appearance in front of like judge porth i had drug court because i like didn't want all these felonies i was like i'll do the drug court fuck yeah my dad like comes up and reads this letter and like the whole courtroom is crying. I am on so much like detox meds that I can't even, my head's like a bowling ball. It's like, boom, like against the altar and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it was bad. And Judge Porth was like, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, but hang on, I have a letter. I wrote you a letter. And I like tried reading him this letter and he like ripped it up. And I was like, That's a little (laughs) rude, you know, like I felt like we could do something and because I was like just trying to get out and he's Mm -hmm. like, Miss Taylor, you ain't going nowhere. And I was like, fuck. So I was in ISO that whole time at North Broward or NBB because I had MRSA. I was covered and I couldn't be around General Pop and. I sat my happy ass in jail and I started like going to the church meetings that they would have just to get out. And I was like, what's there to lose? You know, like whatever. And it was at that moment like where I ended up, I got saved like in jail and I had like this outer body experience where I'm like sweating and like convulsing and I was probably detoxing too, but it's besides the point, like I felt it. And I made the decision that I'm going to give it one last shot. So that's what I did.
0: What was your spiritual belief like prior to that?
1: That was the beautiful thing about like all the traveling I did because I was raised with no religion. Like my mom was like supposedly Jewish. My dad was an atheist. I went to Israel on birthrights, but had no idea what the hell was going on. I just went for the free ride. Mm -hmm. I practiced Buddhism and Taoism and like did the church thing with my friends and like I was a a lost soul. You know, I just really had no, no, like, true connection. Like, I was super spiritual, but, like, I always felt not a part of. So.
0: Like, you knew a lot of religion, but you didn't know God.
1: Exactly. After I did my couple months of my visit, like, my little stent in jail, they sent me to bark for 60 days. And, um. I remember like walking in and like meeting my counselor. And I was like, listen to me, give me a boy band. Don't let me talk to anybody. Like, I really want to do this. I want to give it my all. And like, I ended up doing some work in there. And uh, I got out and I took those suggestions. Like I did the halfway thing that I had been to many times prior and always got kicked out because apparently you're not allowed to drink in halfway. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a whole thing. I ended up like going to meetings and like truly listening. And I started going to church. And again, like the program that I work is not a religious one. Like I define God. Like when I first came in this time, like my mom was my higher power, you know, like I would talk to her and ask her for guidance because she was bigger than me. Like I just didn't want to use like anymore like I would do I would have done anything because the pain was so great and I was so fucking scared because at that point like I really didn't want to die like I I really didn't I wanted to like live in her honor I wanted to get some like any type of relationship back with my family I would take anything at that Mm -hmm. point I took suggestions like I said and I'm coming up on three years, you know, it's been if I'd say it's been like rainbows and butterflies, that's a crock of shit, because no matter what life shows up, you know, but like my life today, like I said, I'm a mom, you know, like I'm a fiance. I have sponsees. I have an amazing sponsor. Like I surround myself with the right people. And that's something that I never did before. Like, when I came back in, I was like, I need to like stick with those winners, so, like so they say, and I started to only hang out with women who had time. I didn't give a fuck who they were at that time, just as long as I knew that they were doing the right thing, and they had more clean time than me, like years clean, because that's what I wanted. I wanted to find the solution, and like, I don't know, man, it's crazy. What, what-
0: happened with the crocodile in your legs?
1: You want to say? <laughs> so, just because I got clean doesn't mean like the consequences of my using just like dissipated. Being pregnant has triggered a whole new like ball game. Like, when I gave birth to my first child, my sister and my niece were in the delivery room and they saw my legs for the first time. That was a humble experience, mm. you know, like being a woman. In South Florida, like to go to the beach today is so difficult. You know, like it's something that it's gonna be a goal down the line. Like to go to a plastic surgeon. What can we do? You know, like just to see. And if not, I'm okay with it. You know, like I have a story to tell from it at least, and give some type of hope. Maybe Mm -hmm. like don't fucking do crocodile. You know, like I don't know.
0: Well, at least you have your legs. Yeah,
1: and that's that's the thing. There's always a silver lining and. I'm able to be, like, open and honest with my family, and, like, when I tell you my relationships with them today are kind of, like, overly amazing. Like, they don't leave me alone, and I say that (laughs) jokingly, but, like, they really don't leave me alone, and I love it. I have my sister in my life, and um, me and her had a tumultuous relationship, man, like, you... (laughs) I'll speak for myself when I'm using, like, I didn't give a fuck. Like, I really wanted no part of you unless you were giving me money or something to Mm -hmm. help me get money. Doing those, like, amends to your family or when I had the opportunity to do that, it was just, like, at that point, like, one of those things, like, we know, you know? Like, it was just, like, that simple. Like, it was, like, I over, like, dramatize everything in my head where I'm, like, freaking out and it just ends up being super simple. So
0: what was it like getting over like the resentment with your dad and like the relationship with your dad cuz like, you know, you've heard me speak before like that was one of the that was probably harder than getting clean was like my relationship with my father and him not thinking I was clean and him like, you know, my a lot of times when I speak, it's really about my relationship with my dad mm-hmm. more than it is about the drug use, you know.
1: And it's you know, it's funny like if I say that I'm like, so I'll start like before my mom died, my relation, my resentment was always towards her. Like what she did to me, I was always the victim. And like, he was never part of the picture because he was never part of the picture. Mm -hmm. You know, like I never had to process or I never had to think about that relationship until it showed up in my lap, you know? In the beginning, I remember like, especially with, like, him setting me up, like, I wanted to hold on to all that shit, and, like, he cheated on my mom when she was pregnant with me, you know? Like, he had a whole other family, and I was like, fuck you, I deserve everything I stole from you. Mm -hmm. He never gave her a dime. Like, the whole thing is, like, super tricky, and I can, like, honestly say I've done a lot of work on that, you know? some days are better than others. Like, I'm so grateful that he is in my life. Obviously, like, he's helped me tremendously being clean. But am I over it completely? Probably not. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I am somebody who has to be in control. You know, like, when I feel out of control, like, I freak out. You know, and that come, like, being in with my partner, like, with In any relationship, if I, I don't know, I'm a very, I have a very strong personality. So it's, it's taken a lot of work because my dad and me are exactly the same, like to a T. And I think that's what scared him so much. Like, and why he didn't want a relationship with me or like why there was none. That's a big part of it is because he sees so much of himself in me and it scares the shit out of him. So, he's heavily involved in my life today. I'm super grateful, like, that he could be present in my daughter's life because he has a lot of making up to do type mm-hmm. thing, you know? So, but they did the best they could with what they had. Like, at the end of the day, that's what it was.
0: How was it um, dealing with, like, the body image and, like, the body dysmorphia and, like, eating disorder? Like, what was different this time where you, like, chose to, like, handle those issues?
1: So I am really good at being super hard and negative towards myself. Like, nothing is ever good enough. Like, I don't care if I'm the most successful, have the best body in my eyes. Like, it was, it's never going to be enough. And it comes to a point where, like, acceptance is all I can have. And I still battle with it. You know, like, being pregnant again, like... It's definitely the biggest challenge in my life presently because, like, I have no desire to use, you know. So, for me, like, that positive self-talk, like, the little silly things that are suggested Mm -hmm. to, like, that will help me, they really do. Like, do I want to take all those suggestions? Absolutely not. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not shooting up puddle water in my legs. Like, I'm not homeless on the streets i have an amazing life and like i try to remain in like the good you know because like i am worthy like my life is worth fighting for like and it's okay to not be like in love with with the way i look every second of the day Mm -hmm. you know so it's a constant battle though for sure
0: yeah, I know like a lot of um, a lot of women struggle with that. And that's the reason why they keep using, you know, because they get clean and then they start acting out in other areas. Um, even for myself, like I couldn't look myself in the mirror when I first got clean. I thought that was like normal. Like I hated pictures. I don't have any pictures, like barely any pictures of me as a kid. I hated seeing myself. I used to get dressed with like the lights off because I didn't want to see myself in the mirror. And then using, I developed a lot of self-hatred and like, When I got clean, that didn't go away. And uh, my sponsor first suggested giving myself, like, seven compliments in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And it really does change the way you talk to yourself. Because I would see a picture of myself and just start with, like, oh, I'm ugly. I don't like this. You know, all these pick yourself apart constantly.
1: And that's – it's so easy for me to want to do that now because, like – so I'll give you a perfect example of, like, life showing up and, like – my eating disorder playing like a huge part in my life currently, right? So I'm pregnant with my second child who, because of active addiction, I'm going to have to be induced early because of medical reasons, but he's super small. And my first thought when the doctors told me that, I was like, what did I fuck up to do? Like, did I starve this child? Did I deprive? Like, did I overwork out this time? Like, am I doing too much? And I wanted to put everything on me so I can like fester it up and like talk down upon myself Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day it probably has nothing to do with me it's a medical thing you know and I instead of beating myself up I reached out to women who have struggled with this you know who have similar experiences because I can't ever get through shit alone like I can't Mm -hmm. like there I have a ton of tools and resources and I've learned a ton, but like, I'll, I'm a forever student. Like, and that's one thing that I love about a 12 step fellowship is like the amount of growth you can do is endless. This isn't like, okay, you do the 12 steps and you're like cured, like, mm-hmm. you're ready to go. No, I wish you, but like, this is a lifelong process. And like, hopefully, what I struggle with today won't be what I struggle with a year from now. You know, like, hopefully, I'm able to. To overcome some of these things it's really cool
0: Mm -hmm. and like when you say like doing the work so like a lot of people don't understand like um i know for myself i can say like i've done a lot of work and for me that's reading and writing like i've done so many i've done a financial inventory i've done an inventory on uh on just relationships i've done uh, an inventory on my spiritual relationships on like how i felt about god growing up to my relationship with god now I'll, I've done first steps on lust. You know, I've done all these different things. And it's not just like, oh, someone, like you have a conversation with someone. It's like, you know, you do some type of packet or the step working guide or something. And, you know, I see people in recovery struggle, stay clean. And you're like, dude, you don't do any work. Like you didn't, you don't do anything, you know? And a lot of times people think that going to the meetings and staying clean and like talking about the concepts or, I don't even understand what like what their concept is, but like they have this idea that they're doing the same things that you're doing. But for me, like if you're not putting like pen to paper, going over with a sponsor, even in therapy, like getting into therapy Mm -hmm. or or doing something about the issue, you really can't say that you're not doing anything.
1: And that's so I'm somebody who thrives with kind of having tasks and to fulfill those things, Mm -hmm. right? And step work, when I first started, like, I loved it, you know, and I love it today. It has, none of that has changed without doing the work, like, actually taking some time for Crystal, because life gets full. Like, when you get a life, it becomes super, it's a lot, I value that time with self and with my higher power and to tell my truth, to speak my truth and have no judgment. And like, if I didn't do that, I would be so sick. I would be miserable clean. Mm-hmm. And that to me sounds worse than what I was doing, like in active addiction, mm-hmm. you know, and I am somebody who's super aware of my defects, very aware of what I need to work on. And I'm not somebody who's a stranger to therapy. I have been in therapy since I was seven. I was hypnotized. I was Mm -hmm. like, had a ton of trauma, like super exciting stuff. And... Without those things, like I wouldn't be the person that I am today. You know, like it just doesn't make, just because people go to meetings doesn't mean anything changes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like it's great to get involved and to be present in a fellowship, but unless you do the work like internally, like nothing's gonna, it's just, for me, like Mm -hmm. it'd be like just a waste of time, Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: I know, and I feel like the longer I stay clean, it's just more and more obvious watching people that it's just like, because I used to wonder. I used to stay clean and watch people and be like, I don't know why they don't get it. Like, I don't, you know, I'd feel bad for people. And then years go by and you see someone's never done a four-step. To me, it's like, you know, that's when you get introduced to yourself. That's when you meet yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you get people trying to meet everybody else. You don't even know who you are yet.
1: I like when I first like came into like the rooms and stuff like people would like the fourth step Mm -hmm. like and make it like this big thing I was ready Mm -hmm. I was like let's do it let's (laughs) go I was because like the jig is up you Mm -hmm. know like I know what I've done I know the shit that's happened in my life like let's do something to change how like Mm -hmm. To change, at least, it's, yeah, I don't know, it's crazy.
0: I remember when I was doing my eight step, you know, you make a list of all the persons you've harmed. And I wrote, like, my mom, my dad, Robin, everybody. And I did it in a way that was, like, I was really feeling like a piece of shit, you know, just writing it. Like, all these people, like, CVS, yeah. Walgreens, public, schools, like, just feeling like such a scumbag. And um, the last person on the list was myself. And I remember going through the whole list feeling like such a scumbag. And uh, I'll never forget my sponsor was like, why are you last? And I was just like, I don't know. And he told me to cross it out and put my name on the top. Uh And there's just something about that motion where like crossing my name out from the bottom and putting it at the top and I started to cry. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that, yeah, you know, like the literature says, like we've harmed many people, but most of all we harmed ourselves. Well, if I'm not doing the step work, I'm not doing anything to amend myself. And that's what the steps are for. Like, all these people that I've harmed, all they want me to do is get better anyways, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, that instance, I started to not feel shame about doing better in life or, like, putting myself ahead of someone else. Because when you're using you have so much shame and um, just guilt and all these things that are wrong with me. And... um you don't really see it until you start writing it on paper. You don't mm-hmm. see how shame affects your relationships, how you are at work, how you are just out with people. And the disease of addiction is um, so much more than self than using drugs. Like we self harm on a daily basis with the way we talk to ourselves, the negative self talk, and um, it affects every relationship that we have.
1: And it's a good point, you know, like I had only been in these relationships where I'd fall in love in the detox line, you mm-hmm. know, like as an adult woman, per se, or like people who are doing the same things I was an active addiction, like, and I really in my head, like, you are nothing but a pawn, like, mm-hmm. and to be in a relationship that is, like, beyond healthy, almost like I self sabotage it, because I don't. I don't self sabotage it presently, but it definitely took me a while to realize that like he wanted nothing from me, mm-hmm. and I didn't need to have anything from him, and I didn't understand fully what that meant until I was like in it. I can say that I have. I needed to figure out how to love myself or to even like myself before anything. That was my main objective, like coming in and like giving this a shot because like we talked about like, I couldn't stand the person that I saw looking back at me. Like I literally, it would make me sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. So I knew that in order for me to have any successful relationships with anybody, I needed to be in a relationship with myself. And allow myself that opportunity to figure out, like, how can I love myself today? And it got to, I was, like, had a lust relationship, I had a like relationship, and today I have a love relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's ever-evolving. And it's because I did the work, you know? Like, in the beginning, like I said, like, for instance, like, my mom was my higher power. My mom is no longer my higher power. Like, that has changed over time because of, like this whole process. And I think that's my favorite part about being in a 12-step fellowship program is there are no rules. There's guidance, you know? And to to really, like, be open and honest with yourself is the greatest gift because, like, I would only be robbing me. Like, you wouldn't give a shit if mm-hmm. I, like, lied on my four-step. Like, yeah. what does it do for you? You mm-hmm. know? Like, it only harms us, like, me. So...
0: I think like when you first get clean, you just feel like, oh, well, I'm not on drugs, that's that. And then you start to realize that even though I'm not using, I'm still getting, I'm still having a lot of issues. And I remember I got kicked out of school twice clean. You know, I I was still stealing the car. I was still, still robbing, uh, you know, from my parents a constant liar like i couldn't tell the truth like i just couldn't you know you, my mom was like where are you i'd be at walmart I'd say i'd come my kmart you know like i just was compulsively mm-hmm. lying and then wondering why i was doing this and not really being aware of it and then you work some steps now you're aware of it and you start to really hate yourself and you feel like you're the, you know the antichrist and mm-hmm. you know for a long time i really felt like you know and and like the steps talk about it they say like you know many of us believed we were sociopaths and like i really thought i was a sociopath thought there was something wrong with me oh yeah i thought i needed like a freaking um exorcism you know i thought like i needed something like was wrong like a moral dilemma and uh as i worked the steps i realized that there are things that we do and just having awareness is half the battle and that i can choose to act out on it and today you know i really don't lie like i catch myself like wanting to say like uh like bend the truth and i can practice telling the truth and i you know, I feel better when I do those things. Like, I don't feel like a liar. You know, I feel good about who I am today.
1: When I first got clean, it's funny that you, like, with the lying, like, for me, it was stealing. Like, mm-hmm. I loved me too to steal. Like, I felt like Walmart, Publix, like, everybody owed me. Mm-hmm. And when I got clean, I was, like, living in halfway, and I had, like, the food stamp thing, and it was, like, the greatest thing. But I would, like, I had a sponsor at the time, And she would make me call her every time I was at Walmart because I would steal clean and Mm -hmm. I would like get off on it. I was like, fuck yeah, I Mm -hmm. did it again. And then like- (laughs) Yeah, I got them. So as time went on and I started doing a little bit of work and like the guilt started to come, you know, like and the shame about me stealing when I'm not an active addiction. And I was like- really proud of myself the first time I went to Walmart and the self checkout line and didn't steal. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's, and even today, like me and Rusty will be like shopping and I'll walk out of the store and be like, you know, it's crazy. Like I don't even have the desire to steal. Like Mm -hmm. that's huge. Like people don't realize like that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I've had... Because
0: s- once you start stealing, it doesn't go away. Like, when I go into someone's nice house, like, I still think about stealing, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, like once you've crossed those lines in life, you can't uncross them, you know? You can't unlearn how to steal, no. you know?
1: And since being clean, like, my sister and her husband had, like, a restraining order. Like, I wasn't allowed in the neighborhood. Wow. Like, I would be, like, arrested or turned away at the gate type thing. And when for my mom's funeral, like I didn't know people give money. And I was like at the bottom of my barrel, and people were like had like envelopes. And I was like, this is a come up, bro. Mm -hmm. And I was like taking all the money, and me and my six foot four brother in law, 280 pounds, get into a physical altercation at my mom's funeral service. And I'm like, how dare you accuse me of stealing a hundred dollars, like blah, 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 like blood dripping down my arm. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, like literal, a fucking mess. Fast forward to the other day, they're asking me to like watch their dogs alone in -hmm. their house, like without them there. Like that's crazy. And I was, we like can sit around and like laugh about it today because like I'm no longer that person that they have to fear having in their house, you know, like my niece texted and called me today about her boyfriend drama. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like this is a life beyond my wildest dreams because three years ago I had restraining orders and like they literally hated me. Like, Mm -hmm. and now my sister is trying to become a certified doula just so she could be next to me in the hospital because of COVID restrictions, you know, like that's the crazy shit that happens. It's just comical like it's those behaviors that we've had for so long that like as you do the work you start like making that mental shift like Mm -hmm. things start rewiring and like you learn to be a genuinely good person hopefully you know.
0: And, like, that's the thing is, like, so I remember, like, when I first got clean, you know, they would say, like, don't sleep with newcomers and, like, people with time don't sleep with newcomers and, like, all this thing. Like, I thought it was just, like, an honorable thing to do. Like, just leave the <laughs> leave these girls alone, you know? Right. And um, as I started to get healthier, I started to see when someone was sick. Because when you're sick, you don't see who's healthy and who's sick. You just kind of, like, whatever. Hey, what's up? You mm-hmm. know? And I remember there was a time where I was like, I'm not attracted to someone who's just getting clean. Like, I have zero attraction to somebody. I don't even see, not that I see myself better than them. It's almost like pedophilia. Like, I'm just not into somebody who's just getting clean because I know how alone and desperate and suicidal I was when I got Mm -hmm. clean. And I know how, like, fucked up I was and like spiritually broken, like had zero relationship with God. I was totally empty. Like it doesn't, I'm not attracted to someone who's getting clean. Like I'm just not, even someone who's been clean for a while who hasn't done the work. I just, I'm not trying to go down that hole with somebody, you know, that's the thing when you start like getting healthier, right? Like we talk about being sick in the rooms all the time, you know, but there is a point in your life where you get to a point where you're not doing something because you don't want or because someone tells you not to, you're not doing it because you don't want to. And that's how I feel with being clean. Like I love being clean and still a challenge, but I'm no longer attracted to being homeless anymore. And, you know, smoking crack with people with no teeth, you know, at some, sometimes I can be though, which is like the fucked up part, you know, I was uh, talking to someone the other day and he's like, man, it must be really hard to like go out with people that drink and not drink. And I'm like, honestly, what's hard for me is when I'm at the red light. And I can tell the difference between homeless people that are homeless, just like have really bad luck, maybe like some mental illness, right. and someone who's out there getting it. Yeah. And I was like, it's harder for me to be at the red light and see someone who's out there getting it and not want to hop out the car and be like, <laughs> let's go, like, who's got, you know, whatever. Like, that's harder for me than sitting Absolutely. around people. And everyone's different. Someone who drinks, like, that might be hard for them, but like, i wasn't much of a drinker like i like smoking crack you yeah know? on Broward boulevard exactly
1: you know? dude like and that's the thing like when i i literally live probably two blocks down from the methadone clinic and i literally see the same kids i was using with wow. the homeless kids who didn't want to use with me anymore because i was too much of a junkie like panhandling out there still and like me and my family are like driving by them and it's just like a crazy reminder to think like you could in a snap get Mm -hmm. back to that point because and if I didn't do the work you know like you Mm -hmm. were just saying like that's not attractive to you like it actually like freaks me the fuck out like I feel at this point in my life I'm I'm too scared anyway Mm -hmm. you know like it's We got clean where we got high, Mm -hmm. you know, like and for a lot of people, that's not something that's even like fathomable. And for me, it wasn't like I was like convinced. I was like, this is never going to be something that could work for me. Like I have to leave and I would like go to like Delray or like West Palm or something Mm because that was so much farther. But I brought myself with me. Oddly enough, like I would end up getting high because I, I didn't do the work and nothing changed just because like. I took myself from, like, the the one trap house. There's plenty more wherever I went, and I would always find them, you Mm -hmm. know? And I was always attracted to the sicker person, you know? Like, and that was after I would do the 30-day, like, song and dance and get my A-plus certificate in rehab. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought I was good to go, but people, places, and things, like, I never wanted to be attracted to the people who are doing the right thing because it scared the shit out of me, you know, like, but today that's all I want. Like, I want better, I want more for myself. Like, my dreams never stop. And like, I have these endless amount of goals that I know I can attain because like, because I'm staying clean, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing.
0: I know for me, like sponsorship was like a whole nother world of like recovery that like I never even thought like when you get clean, you're not thinking about how sponsorship is going to help you like if you become a sponsor. Like when you do your first step, you're not thinking like one day I'm going to be reading this to a sponsee when he's doing his first step. And I remember the first time I ever went over someone's uh, first step, I would do this thing where I would read an answer and they would read an answer. And one of the questions was like, what do you want out of recovery? And he had, like, you know, I want to get my family back and, like, all these things. And, like, he had, like, this long, beautiful paragraph. And I look at mine, and it said, um, I want to be able to sleep. Mm. And I started to cry Mm. with, you know, two years clean, a year clean, doing a first step with somebody. And he was looking at me like, are you okay? (laughs) And I was just like, like, that's what it was like. Like, I literally remember being a 17-year-old kid writing my step work in high school, right? being in high school sitting by myself doing my first step and answering a question, like, what do you want out of recovery? Or what do you see yourself, you know, doing later on in life? And I wanted to sleep Mm because like when I got clean, I didn't take sleep meds. I couldn't sleep for months. I thought like I was never going to be able to go to sleep. I would just wander around, roll around in my bed, and then the alarm clock would go off.
1: No, you still look like shit like (laughs) a while down. after. (laughs) But look at you today, you know, like, and that's, It's crazy. Like, having a family was not even something. Like, Mm -hmm. I was not the little girl who, like, planned their wedding and, like, had their dream dress. Like, I wanted to continue to travel the world and, like, just be, like, this wanderer and, like, meet like-minded people. And, you know, I still have that in me. And it's super important for me to, like, remember that I don't have to let go of everything that I was, like, that I used to be that was, like, instilled in me. Like, because... Before, like, things were bad and, like, using was, like, cute and fun, like, I was, a, like, a little girl in, like, in little La La Land, like, mm-hmm. always dreaming, you know, like, what can I do next? And it's super crazy to think, like, now I'm trying to instill that in, like, my daughter, you know, like, in my kids because, like, I work with, like, super corporate America people. And they have no idea about anything and like at all, Mm -hmm. except like my boss. And they're like, oh, you deserve to have a drink today. And I'm like, if only you knew what that even meant, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and they like, they come to me for advice on certain things. And I'm like, what is this world? You know, like, it's just, it's little things like that, that the dream's still there. Like the goals, the ambition and stuff like definitely got reawoken for me. And I feel like I'm kind of like the opposite. Like when I first got clean, like I hit the ground hard. Like I knew what I wanted and I knew that I was gonna give it my all. And that's what I've been doing. You know, like I, nothing's like nothing's off limits. Mm -hmm. It's really not. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. love you you very much that's such a cool story um i'm sure you know your mom is extremely proud of you and you definitely are honoring her the way you live your life
1: thank you so much this is super cool thank you for having me bye
0: this show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program if you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction please find a local 12-step meeting If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.